it's a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, sometimes when you get back in your home turf, you're not too sure what uh, maybe you should bring to everybody, but uh, we have a, I have a little message for you. Part of it, uh, it we're going to talk about salt and light today, and because uh, that's what all of us are. We're all salt and light for the Lord Jesus, right? Amen? Amen. So, uh, before I start, I was looking on the, the, I saw on the website that somebody was having an anniversary this week or today. Was there somebody special that had an anniversary, long term or something? Val's got a big question mark on her face, so. That Facebook, you know, you never know what they're going to put on there. Years, huh? 11 years. Well, congratulations. You know, in our, in our culture today, 11 years is, is a long time. And, uh, and I know there's many here that are probably over that 50 mark. Sue and I just celebrated 44 years, yeah, the 12th of this month. So uh, what, a, what a blessing. Couldn't have done it without her. I hope she, I hope she feels the same way. Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine so others may see that your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. I'm going to get rid of these pencils here. One little thing I always remember, I, I stay pretty close to the podium and I always have paper because I like notes because otherwise we might be start talking about old times. And uh, I always felt a little guilty having paper and all my, my message on, my, on the paper, but I, I always tell people this. I was watching the news one time, and Netanyahu was going to speak at a United Nations thing or something, and he comes up with this book of paper right up to the pulpit, opens it up, turns to the page, and starts delivering from his notes. And I thought, if he can do it, I can do it. Salt and light. Every year we celebrate Easter, or as I would prefer to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is one event that we need or should be so grateful for, for it is the very foundation of our faith. Without it, we literally have no hope. The resurrection. All of us need to focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because without it, we have no hope. That's where it all took place. That's where it all happened. The resurrection demands, asks for, calls us for a response. If we accept, if we believe, if unite with him in his death and his resurrection, we should, not, should we not want to follow his lead? Or to say it another way, should we not want to be led by his spirit? 
There are many verses of Scripture that speak to us about the call of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and verse 10. I have shared these verses many times with people, but listen to the words speak to the people of God. I'm going to start back a little bit because it kind of sets the preface for that because we all know these verses of 2, 8, 8 and 9. We, they're just so familiar. But being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Many of us have experienced the grace of God in our life. And then in verse 8 it says, For grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of your own doing. It is a gift. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Just imagine God giving us a, saying, I want you to do this job. I want to put some works out there. He created them for us. But when you look at that, it says, for grace you have been saved through your faith, not of yourself. And sometimes we can get kind of caught up in ourselves, start thinking, gee, I, I accomplished this. I got here by me. Well, nobody got there by you. It's a gift. And all of us have received gifts at different times of year in life. Just the gift of life is such a blessing. And not by works. And I think sometimes we can get lost in the whole thing of, well, I did this or I did that, and God should appreciate that, and I'm sure he does appreciate many of the works we do. But those works do not get us to our salvation spot. They're just a result of thankfulness that we should have toward God. And no boasting. And one of the phrases I always like to think, at the cross, we all stand on level ground. Amen? Nobody, it doesn't matter who we are, what we are, we all stand on level ground. It's all about Christ. It's all about Jesus. Then Paul gets to the heavy, uh, the hard part. He says, we are his workmanship, created to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Think of that for a while. He wants our help. And how would you personally interpret or identify those works in your own life? What does God have you to do? And it could be just so vast how that happens that you would express the love of God to somebody as a believer in the Lord Jesus. In the churches I've been a member of, and including this one, all have had many seminars on gifts and how to use them, many group discussions on how to get people, brothers and sisters, to share their faith, reach out to the lost. It seems we've been at, working at this for years, and sometimes it seems to come with small results. But the Bible calls us in many ways. It's, the Bible is looking, it's asking, it's calling us to respond to the call of God in our lives. Not long ago, we went through the Easter season, the event where Jesus paid for our sin-stained lives so we could live forgiven lives, new in Him. 
And isn't it a blessing to experience that forgiveness that God has given us? I mean, the freedom that you find in Jesus Christ, not only to receive forgiveness, but to give somebody else forgiveness. That is so powerful and so freeing in your life. And uh, sometimes we carry things that we don't realize for years and years, and we just need to give that to Jesus. A little refresher course. In 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. You know, the, the, the Corinthian church was a problem church. If you've studied Corinthians, if you've looked at any of the history, they had just all these issues in the, in the church. And Paul is always trying to encourage this church to grow. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again by but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right minds, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live no longer for themselves, but for him who raised, for their sake, died and was raised. From now, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What a responsibility, huh? To become an ambassador for Christ and he puts that responsibility on us as followers, as believers in Jesus so just a quick synopsis, Paul is trying to persuade them in verse 11. In verse 12, he's trying to give them an opportunity. In verse 14, he, they know that they could be compelled by Christ, controlled by Christ. In verse 17, new creation. In Christ, we are made new. And I was made new many, many years ago. And uh, I got a little part in here where I got to do a, just a tad of reminiscing. But in verse 18, it says he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When you, when you leave here today and you think, I'm an ambassador for Christ, carries a huge responsibility, not only for you, but also for myself. We are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is an official, diplomatic agent of high rank who is sent out by a ruler or a government as a public representative, in our case, representing the United States. As a Christian, as a brother or sister in the Lord, an ambassador for Christ is one who is sent out to work as a citizen of God's kingdom, representing the truth as salt and light in a world of deceit and darkness. We carry a, a very powerful message, folks. 
The Bible says that we are not of this world. One reason we are sent out into it is to bring Christ, the light, to the world. And what a privilege to have, be identified as an ambassador for Christ, an ambassador for our Savior. In Acts 1.8, Luke records for us thoughts on the Holy Spirit in our lives. And really, the, the, the reason I kind of roll Acts 1.8 into this is because in ourselves, we, I know that I think, where am I going to get the strength, the power, the boldness to share the gospel with somebody? Or to, you know? So it says, in, we receive power to live. We receive power to do ministry. We receive power to be an ambassador. We receive power from the Holy Spirit to be a witness. As Jude puts it in Jude 23, which I really have come to really appreciate that one-page letter that uh, is written. Jude puts it in Jude 23, snatch a few from the fire. But first he says, have mercy on those who doubt, but snatch a few from the fire. Just, again, given us that responsibility that we really need or we have the, the uh, strength, the understanding, the knowledge to pull somebody from the fire. Imagine that, that you could actually save somebody from hell. Jesus does it, but he uses us as tools. When Jesus was training or calling the disciples together, he said to them, follow me. And then he says, you will be fishers of men. They will be pastors, evangelists, witnesses for the gospel. He, Jesus, spoke to them and said, and to us, that we will be the light of the world. In Matthew 5, it says, it tells us that we are the light of the world. Folks, the world is a dark place. Would you agree? Dark. Sinful. And I don't know, sometimes I don't think we realize that, we understand that, but if you go all the way back to Adam, the temptation, the, the, the whole thing with Adam and Eve, sin entered the world, darkness entered the world. And we've been living in this mode for thousands of years, thousands of years. So it can only get worse. Jesus re is referring to it that the world needs light and that it's dark out there, spiritually dark, needing salvation, needing hope. The very thing that we as believers, as children of God, have been given. We have that hope. He, Jesus says, we are light. And light does many things, and the obvious is when we turn the switch on, we get light, right? And there it is. We can see. It illuminates the darkness. Light dispels the darkness. Just as you are light in the world in Christ. Now, how... Where and with whom does this happen? This could be a good time to have an open forum, have a little discussion on how all this happens in our personal lives or in, in try to create some, maybe some methods of reaching people. To share a few thoughts with one another, here are a few thoughts that I came up with on how we can be light. You're a Christian on the school board. And when I wrote that down, I thought, Sheldon tried that. Not an easy spot to be sometimes. I think he told me he got tired of the phone calls. You're a Christian on the town board. Town board makes decisions, but you're a believer. So you're going to have some input. You're a believer in the Senate. We would love to have more believers in our government that would 
respond to convictions that they have and, and run our country and our world in a, in a more sane manner. You are a follower of Jesus at the fire hall. You're the peacemaker at work. We're called to give light in all that we do as a follower of Jesus Christ. And following folks is not a weakness. Following Jesus is not a weakness in any fashion. Give light to your, in your own or my own lifestyle in the decisions you make and I make. And let's be light to this dark world. I got a good example here of how, I, I think it's a good example, but most of us in this room are probably old enough to remember when most stores were closed on Sunday. And some of you probably can't, but I remember when a lot of stores were closed on Sunday. That being said, that must mean I'm getting old. How do you think the board meeting went at the Chick-fil-A? And everybody, I think, knows that restaurant. When the founder made the decision to close the stores on Sunday, the decision cost them $1 billion in sales annually by doing so. The decision was based on a deeply held convictions. God has blessed Chick-fil-A for 51 years of top-line growth, even during a recession. Praise God for their witness, for their decision. They have also, I put down here, they also have really good food, so I'm putting a little advertisement in there for them. But how many times in, in Susan's I life after church, you pull into a Chick-fil-A thinking you're going to get a nice crispy sandwich and, oh, they're closed. Oh, yeah, that's right. They have the convictions of not being open on Sunday. It, it sends a message to people. You know, even in the, the city of New York, they told them, we don't want them here. We don't want Chick-fil-A here because they knew what Chick-fil-A stood for, what it represented, far more than just not being open on Sunday. Our decisions to do make an impact, even if it goes against the tide, the norm of the day, or what is happening in the boardroom, make an impact for Christ. We are the light of the world. When we stand for Jesus and the gospel, honesty, integrity, we are light. Let it shine. Let it shine. It's not always easy, and it's usually costly. You are the light of the world, folks. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Salt. We're not done yet. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the salt of the earth. That's what we want to focus on. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. One thing I find very interesting here is that he has, this is in the, in the red, so we know Jesus said it. You are the salt of the earth, he told his disciples. One thing I find very interesting here is that at this point, Jesus did not expound on defining his statement. You are the salt of the earth, finished. My thought is because they all, all knew the importance of salt 
in their life and in their community. This was a very familiar phrase to them because salt was extensively used in many ways. Salt was like gold for trading. There were great salt routes all over Asia, North Africa, and the Middle East. Salt was so important in life for health, preserving, healing, even in worship and trading. When Jesus tells us we need to be the salt of the earth, what comes to mind for you? What do you think of? I think about sharing Christ with a friend, being a friend to someone, serving someone in need, helping with a need, loving the unlovely, being patient with someone, no road rage, leading a Bible study, being a peacemaker. In the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When I think about salt in my life and how saltiness of people affected my life, many names come to mind. And being here today caused my list I had made to shift a little. So I'm going to share what shifted. In 1977, when I got saved... Wally Mylander invited a bunch of us rough-around-the-edges people to come up here and stand in this pulpit and say, tell everybody what happened to our lives in Jesus. Sadie Pearson stood up here and encouraged you week after week, we need to sing choruses, right? How many of you remember that? And Rochelle Anderson, somebody that's so important in our life, and Tom Emberg, adult Bible study, all the time. Those folks were all salt in my life. But my original list is a little different. I, and one thing I did with my original list, I put the denomination that each person was from. I'm not sure why I did this. I guess for me it was important because it just showed how God works in our midst. And I'm not going to give you their last names, but Don, a Lutheran brother, he was salt for my tongue. Help me not swear. Richard, a Catholic brother, he was salt in my life to help me give. Whew. Sam, a fellow student, he taught me to love the word. And Desmond, somebody that many of you might know, Anglican priest, dear friend, really taught us about friendship. And Ron, my friend in, a friend in Florida from the Reformed Church, he's taught me he was salty for me for unity, to bring unity among us. And Daryl, a Presbyterian pastor that we had, was salt for loving the lost. And Brother Bud, a Baptist pastor, showed us how to be pastoral and to show mercy. Who's been salt in your life? 
And have you been salt? And who have you been salt for? Who have you given savor, preservation? Who have you brought healing to? In Philippians 2, 1 through 18, it says, we're salt to imitate Christ. We're salty to have a good attitude. Salt to reach out to others. Salt to consider someone else. Salt to be generous. You know, there's so many ways to be salty and uh, express the love of God to people. Jesus was saying, you are my followers. You are the salt of the earth, which must permeate and penetrate society if it is to have health and stability. You know, we don't think about this too much, but just think of the presence of the Holy Spirit not being in the world where our world would be. Just as the Word of God in Hebrews 4.12 says, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, dividing the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Living and active, just as salt is through you in a dying world. I, I don't think sometimes we realize how much we impact or influence the world by being a Christian, by some of the decisions we make, and people watching and seeing our good works. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the world. In closing, I'd like to just uh, share from the book uh, just a little paragraph, Salt for Society by Philip Keller. To be salt, we don't need to be spectacular. To be salt, we don't need to be sensational. To be salt, we do not need to be successful by the world standard. Rather, we have to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. We have to be attuned to Christ's presence within us. We have to be available to the purposes of God our Father for us and for others around us. As we live and work and pray, we will express His life through us as salt for society. For He is not only our Savior, but also our savor of every good work and word in the world. Let's be salt. Let's be light. Thank you for the opportunity. Amen.